Hi, and welcome to the Willow Ridge Church weekly podcast. This is where you can find audio for our current and past sermons. We hope that you enjoy this week's installment, and be sure to check back next week to hear the latest message. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning. Glad that you guys are here with us. Uh, before we get into this, I want to remind everybody, hopefully you saw it as you came in, we will be taking part in the Lord's Supper today. And so if you didn't grab one of the communion cups on your way in, they're right back here, Pastor Dave and, and, and Patrick, I believe. Y'all got those back there. Uh, if you can head back there, if you don't want to get up and move, they'll bring them to you. Just throw your hand up. They'll think you're just still in worship and we'll bring them uh, to you and, and have them there. Uh, but we will do the Lord's Supper together at the end of the service. I want to echo uh, what Moses said. And if you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for being here. Um, at the end of the service, I will be back here with my wife, Erin, at the welcome station back here. We'd love to meet you. love to shake your hand. love to thank you for being here and worshiping with us. And if you have any questions about who we are as a church, we'd love to get those answered for you. So again, I want to echo what Moses said. Thank you so much for, for being here for our first-time guest and, and worshiping with us today. Also, on November the 21st, uh, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks. We're going to have a night of missions and prayer. And so uh, on that evening, that Sunday evening at 4 o'clock, we want to invite you to join us. It's going to be a wonderful time. We have a missionary who's going to be here with us and share what it's like for life on the mission field. Uh, we'll go ahead and share that night. We will not be live streaming anything as the place and the context where this missionary has served and, and looks to serve again is not something that we can make public through things like the internet, um, but he will be here along with his wife to share about all that God has done there. And then it'll be a time also for us that night as we pray for our different missions partners. And so I want to encourage everyone to be there. One of the things we've been doing as a church for a long time now is, is teaching all through the generations of the importance and the value of missions. And so this is going to be a night where we're going to have um, our nursery open, but then everyone else is going to be in here uh, together for our kids to be able to hear, our middle school students, our high school students, and our adults. And so I'm excited about that night and, and all that the Lord is going to do. And then I got a prayer request for you for this week. After church is over today, there will be a group of men. Um, I'm going to be a part of this team that we are headed up to Black Mountain, North Carolina, the Black Mountain Children's Home, to serve for the better part of this week. And so I just ask for your prayers as we are there doing construction and, and helping out uh, the Black Mountains Children Home so that they can continue to serve the many children that God has brought to them and allow us the privilege to do that. Um, I'm really excited about this team that's going. Um, in, in my experience of doing mission trips, this is the first time that I've been on a men's only mission trip, and so that'll be a little bit different. But I want to be honest with you, what excites me the most about this trip is more than half of the men who are going on the mission trip, this will be their very first mission trip. And if you've ever been on a mission trip, you know how God uses those times to not only as we look to serve others, and, and we all do this, I, I do this as well, we, we all think of a mission trip and what, what kind of a blessing that we can be and how God is going to use us, but the truth of the matter is, time and time again, God reveals himself to us, and we as the ones who are going are even more blessed, and so we're just excited about that opportunity to be able to go 
and be a part of this, of this trip together. Well, we're going to continue on in our series in the Psalms. So if you've got your Bibles, open them up to the 23rd Psalm is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, so as, as Berger and I have worked together on this uh, sermon series, um, he, he sent me a, a list of, of different psalms that kind of fit with some psalms, the songs that, that he and the band could begin working on. And I said, man, like, like it, it doesn't matter to me as you feel like the Lord's leading all of it's God's word and I'll be excited to preach from it. And I'll be honest with you, over the last several weeks, I would sit down on, on Monday and begin to read through the psalm and go, whoo, God, you're going to stretch me this this week, right? Um, this isn't one that I would necessarily found myself going toward. This isn't one of those that, that, that's easy. There's got to be a little bit more work that I've got to do. And so God in his goodness and God in his faithfulness has stretched me in, in, in a very difficult way over these last several weeks. And then when I got to this one and I saw it on Planning Center, which is what we use to, to schedule and to coordinate, I was like the 23rd Psalm. Whoo, finally, right? Like the 23rd Psalm, I know this one. I've taught this one. I, 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 every funeral, this is the, the, the psalm. This is the, the passage that you're going to hear. And then God said, well, watch this. Watch this. And over the course of the last week, and it's just a beautiful picture of, 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 of what God does in, 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 as God grants us humility, as we think we know, and then God says, well, watch this is what he does. Because the truth is, for you, you're, you might even be sitting there today, and you're like, man, man Psalm 23, like, like, I've heard this a thousand times. In fact, I'd be willing to bet whether you're a believer or not, if you've attended a Christian funeral, right, like everyone has heard this passage. Everyone has a, a reference and a, and a context of the 23rd Psalm because of funerals. But what is ironic and, and what is powerful and, and, and as we look at this is that this passage is not about death at all. And this passage is about life. This passage is about the understanding of this is what the life looks like when lived in the connection of community and the power of relationship with God and what this can be in ours. You know, the 23rd Psalm is written by David. It's not written by David the shepherd. It's not written by young King David. In fact, the 23rd Psalm, even though it's earlier on in, in how the Psalms are listed, most believe that the 23rd Psalm is actually written by David at the end of his life. And as he looks back on his life and thinks through his highs and his lows, his victories and his defeats, his sinful failings and his righteous moments all balled up into this one experience of life. And he, through the leading of the Spirit of God, imparts this. If you've ever been with someone who knows that death is approaching and you have those moments of God giving you the, the grace to be able to communicate those things, you hear the perspective of a life lived. I remember close to the end of my grandfather's life, before he lost the ability to speak, it was at his, the assisted living place where he, was, where he was living at the time, and I went up there and just sat there and had a conversation with him. And he talked about life. He talked about a service in the military, he talked about marriage. 
He talked about God's faithfulness. And as we read the, the 23rd Psalm this morning, I want you to kind of take that moment if God's graced you with one of those opportunities and allow that to be the heaviness of the context. It's not some young pastor who thinks they've got it figured out. It's a seasoned man who's gone through life, who's experienced the highs and the lows, who's gone through the battle, has seen his failings and understands God's grace, who's lived through the goodness of God and seen all of this. And he looks back and he says, as life brings the seasons, and you guys know this, right? In South Carolina, we experience all four in the same day, right? And sometimes that's the way it feels like in the emotional, the physical, and the spiritual seasons of life as well. The seasons change, but God's faithfulness doesn't. Right? In spite of what we're feeling, in spite of what we're experiencing, God is faithful. And that's what David writes about. And the beauty of this, the hope of this, the reminder of this, is God's faithfulness isn't just reserved for people like King David. Right? God's faithfulness is also for me, and for you, and for all of his children. So as David writes about this, may it soak into us the faithfulness of the Lord. So let's start reading in chapter 23, verse 1. David writes, he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In the first three verses, David describes a season of life, a season of life that he had experienced and a season of life that you and I will experience. And we're going to draw from the word play that he's given us here and call this the season of the pasture. And what we see about God in this is in the season of the pasture, we will find out and understand the everyday provider of who God is. God with us in the day in and day out. And, and David uses a beautiful illustration that continues to flow through all of Psalm 23, but starts it off here. David here says that God is the shepherd and we are the sheep. And this is going to be a, an illustration that's used all throughout Scripture and especially in the teachings of Christ. And, and David draws this for us. And so I want to talk a little bit about the relationship between the sheep and the shepherd this morning and understand what it means that every single day that God is our provider. Well, sheep, number one, sheep are always dependent on the shepherd. There's not a moment in time in their life if they are going to live that they are not dependent on the shepherd. You know, it's not good in normal days to be considered a sheep. Sheep really can't do things for themselves. Sheep are careless. Sheep are defenseless. Sheep are prone to getting lost. Sheep need constant care. They cannot find food on their own or water by themselves. But what sheep know that you and I often forget is that in every moment of every day of who we are, that sheep know that their lives are in the hand of the shepherd and that he will provide. 
And so when David in his goodness says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because in every single day, he knows of the provision, and so he can be dependent on the shepherd. The, the, the next thing I want us to understand about the sheep, and I think this is important, is that the sheep are obedient to the shepherd. And this is interesting. I didn't know this and studying a little bit this week about what it means to, to be a shepherd and the dynamic of sheep is that, did you know that sheep cannot be driven, right? I don't have much context for what it means to drive animals, right? I don't live in that world. I don't do those things. And so, but I remember all the way back to, I believe, 1989 in the movie City Slickers, right? Yeah, remember that movie? Right? If you don't, you're, you're younger and go watch it, right? Wonderful movie. Billy Crystal that is in the movie. And, and, but you get the picture of, 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 of the, the, them, and they're moving the cattle and they're driving them. And they're behinding them and they're pushing them and they're pressing them and they're guiding them on this path. But it's in this mixture of, of, of beside them, behind them, beside them, behind them. And if they get out in front, the cows aren't going to follow. So they've got to drive them. They've got to push them, but that's not what sheep do. Sheep don't do that at all. In fact, if you're the shepherd and you're leading the sheep, the sheep obey because they follow behind, right? So it's a different role. It's a different responsibility. It's a different relationship. In fact, a shepherd will move from the front to the side, because if a sheep comes to wander, what the shepherd would do when the sheep begins to get out of line, when a sheep, remember they're careless, they're prone to getting lost, the shepherd would continue to glance behind as he would leave and he would kind of drift back and get alongside and bump into him and bump into him and rub up against him to remind them of where they needed to be so that they could go. But we get, begin to get the picture and understand that if we are the sheep and what it means to be led by the shepherd, not are we only dependent on the shepherd, but we're obedient to the shepherd. Right? The dynamic of the truth of life. But then also, sheep are known by the shepherd. In, in John chapter 10, Jesus says that he is the good shepherd and that his sheep know his voice and he calls them by name. Now, for, for, for years, I thought that this was just a spiritual implication of what Jesus was given. But through, through reading and doing some research this week, I, I found that that's not the case at all. That ancient Eastern shepherds, I didn't know this, makes me feel better about what we do with our pets, right? They named their sheep. So when Jesus says that, he's speaking to a practicality of life, of what they would have known. You know how shepherds name their sheep? Well, I know my sheep's name, and they, name, they know my voice. And they respond when I call them. And, and I thought this was interesting that here's why they name their sheep. So that they can call them. So that they can listen to them. Because of the great value that the shepherd has for the sheep. Because you see, they weren't used for food. But they were used for milk and for wool. And so the beauty of that is they knew them. Just as God knows us and desires for us to know him. No, it's the, the, the beauty of this. So why are these sheep this committed to the shepherd? Why is it? 
because they know he will provide. And that's what we continually see in Scripture. Verse, uh, Genesis 22, verse 14. It says, so Abraham called the name of that place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The context of Genesis 22, 14 is found in the story of Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, the, the man chosen by God through the great nation would come from of God's people. And it only is going to happen and it is only going to come through his lineage in the way that God said it would happen and take place. And there's a lot of backstory. If you don't know it, stop afterwards. We'll, we'll have the conversation. But after many, many years, God grants to Abraham and his wife finally a son, a son that they had longed for, a son that they knew that was the fulfillment of God's promise with them for God to continue to do. But then God does something that is crazy. God does something that is out there. God looks at Abraham and he says, you take your son whom you love, you take your son whom I've promised, and you go and you sacrifice him. And Abraham says, okay. Because he's led by God. Because he's obedient to God. But because he's dependent on God. And because Abraham realizes and knows that God's the provider. And so in Genesis 22, verse 5, they're on their journey to where he will take and he will sacrifice his son. He'll kill him. And they stop. And there's a group of men, of, of, of workers of, that, that are there, uh, workers for Abraham, servants of, of Abraham. And, and it's, it's, it's a beautiful verse. Abraham looks at them. And as they're getting ready to go with Abraham and Isaac, Abraham looks at him and says, no, 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 y'all stay here. We are going to provide and offer the sacrifice, and we will return. Do you see what Abraham's doing? In full obedience to the Lord, but in knowing in the character of who God is, of what God will do in his promises that God will provide. And they go up onto the mount, Scripture tells us, and he lays his son down to sacrificing. And at that time, the angel of the Lord said, do not touch him. And he looked over, and God provided a ram. And so we see verse 14. So Abraham called the name of that place. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. I call it the season of the pasture because it's just every day. Every day, in spite of what was going on, the shepherd would take the sheep to the pasture. Some days in the pasture were easy. Some days in the pasture were difficult. Some days in the pasture were common. Some days in the pasture were unexpected. But when we walk in obedience, trusting God and depending on him as Abraham did, as David did, we can look on it and know that he knows us and we can know that he will be our provider of every single day. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Look at verse 4. Begins to see a different season. David says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. 
for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm going to call this season of what David talks about as the season of the valley to remind us that God is with us in the darkness, that in the pasture there's also the valley, and in the valley there become some dark and difficult days that we face. Life is filled with difficulties. Life is filled with dark moments. This is common to us all. We walk through these. We experience through these. There are seasons and time where we feel like we're never going to get out of the valley. And in this, what you and I, I know this about myself, we have the, 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 the tendency from time to time to not listen to and understand that God is with us in the valley, but to listen to Satan as he speaks lies in the valley, lies that I've experienced, lies that I've seen, lies that I've heard myself as I walk through the dark days. Number one is that God doesn't care. You ever heard that? You ever felt that when you're walking through? Well, if God loved me, then this wouldn't happen. And so he must not care. And then the second lie that Satan uses in these moments well, you're alone. You're by yourself. No one is there, and God has abandoned you. There's been these seasons of my life where I've walked through this. There'll be seasons of life where as I'm facing the difficulties, as I begin to feel that it's too much to bear, as I continue to battle with the flesh that exists within me, and what I begin to hear, what I begin to feel, and what I begin to experience is, Bo, God doesn't really care about you. And Bo, you're facing this all on your own. And the truth is, while I hear those things, the truth is, while I feel those things, and you do as well, those aren't from the Lord. That's not God. It's Satan attacking when we're weak and when we're vulnerable. When the difficulty of the darkness of the valley begins to consume us. And so David reminds us that we will walk through these. We will. You're going to go through the valley. You might be in the valley. You might look back and remember the valley. It is going to happen. But when it does, we can face it without fear. And David says, the reason for that, the reason why we have this is because, God, you are with me, but you give me something. You give me something in this moment. You give me your rod, and you give me your staff. And from both of these they bring me great comfort, right? So what is the shepherd's rod? What is the shepherd's staff? It's two different, two different instruments. We're thinking of the rod. The, the, the rod is like a, like a large club. And so it, it's tall so that it can be swung, but at the end it's heavier than it is at the bottom. And that if something comes to a, attack the sheep, if a wolf begins to, to seek out, that what the shepherd can do is the shepherd can grab the rod and grab it from the bottom and, and use the force that he can generate through that to swing at the wolf and to attack the wolf so that the sheep would be safe. So that standing in between what brings comfort to the sheep is knowing that the shepherd is fighting for them. And the beauty of that for us 
is we know that not only is God fighting for us now, spiritual warfare is real of what we experience and what we go through. And not only is God fighting for us, but most importantly of what we're gonna recognize with this today of what we just sang is that God has fought already for us and won the victory. And the rod of the cross of Calvary, when the world thought it was defeated, But God said, watch this. But the shepherd also uses the staff. And the staff is what you and I most commonly think of. We're getting into the season, right, where we're putting out our nativity scenes and we'll have our shepherd that's there and you'll see the shepherd in most nativity scenes that will hold the long staff then with a hook on the end. And the beauty of that was this. When a sheep began to wander off, When a sheep began to say, no, this is too much. When the sheep began to feel in the darkness that I've lost my path and I've lost my way, what the shepherd would do is would use its staff to reach out around the neck of the sheep and just pull it on back. Pull it on back where it needed to be. Maybe a little rough sometimes, right? We had to feel that. Maybe sometimes it jerks you a little bit. But you feel the, the drawing back of the Spirit of God in our lives. When the valley's so dark that we can't see in front of us. When the valley's so dark that depression and anxiety begin to weigh in. When, when the valley's so dark that non-realistic things begin to be spoken into us. And we begin to agree that God doesn't love us. We begin to agree with Satan that God has abandoned us. And, and the shepherd just pulls us back in. Now I'm here. I'm here, I'm here. And what I love about this is can the shepherd do that from a distance? Can the shepherd do that at the top of the mountain while the sheep are in the valley? No. In order for the shepherd to do that for the sheep in the valley, where does the shepherd have to be? In the valley. With us. You know, we're about to go into a season where we celebrate that. Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God with us. Can we think about Christmas differently? Celebrating Christmas isn't just about celebrating the birth of Jesus. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing, right? It is. It is. But it's not just about celebrating a historical event in time. It's not just about celebrating one night. It's about celebrating the very presence of God with us every day. In every moment of the reminder that he is Emmanuel, God with us. So when you're walking through that valley, praise the Lord that he's Emmanuel, God with us. When you feel that staff pulling you back in, praise the Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. But always remember this. As we look back and we begin to understand our obedience, our dependence, all of these things, the closer the sheep are to the shepherd, the more effective the staff and the more effective the rod. So as he draws us to himself and as we press into him, we begin to experience the depth of this relationship.
Verse 5 of Psalm 23, David says, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. We'll talk about the season of the battle, all right? The season of the battle where God gives us rest. The season of the battle where God gives us rest. Now, when, when we read verse 5, right, because we love the word table, right, and we associate table with what? With food, you know? Like, that's it. Dinner table. But here, the, the context is with the shepherd and his sheep and not with our home. And so I want you to think of the table. The table would be the flat place in the mountains where the shepherd would lead the sheep at night so that they could rest. And even though what surrounded them were their enemies, the shepherd made a way on the table to provide for them to give them rest because out there it would still be vulnerable. So the shepherd needs to protect So what the shepherd would do is he would prepare the table for the sheep. And how he would prepare was he would get large stones and he would build a circular wall with an opening, with one little small opening, so that at night when the sheep couldn't see, at night when the sheep needed to rest, at night when they were the most vulnerable, the, the shepherd would get there by what he had prepared for them on the table, and he'd call their names, and they would come to him, and they would go right inside this wall, and as they would go on the wall, he would ex- inspect them for briars, he'd inspect them for cuts, and when he found them there, he'd get the oil, He'd get the ointment and he'd, he'd clean them and he'd make them, he'd make them right and he'd restore them to where they needed to be so that they would be healed. And then he would allow them to rest within the wall. And once they were there, this is where they could find rest for their souls was inside of what was done by the shepherd. But remember, there's an opening an opening where they would come in. So what would happen there? This, if the opening isn't closed, then the wolves could enter. If the opening isn't closed, then the sheep could wander away. So what does God do to close the opening? We check out the screen in John 10, verse 7. Jesus says this. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Jesus says again, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So go back to you're the shepherd now with your sheep in the wall. Where does the door come from? The shepherd is the door. And so what the shepherd would do at night so the sheep could not leave is the shepherd would lay himself down in the doorway. The shepherd would prop himself up in a position that nothing could go in and nothing could go out unless it went through the shepherd. I don't know about you, but so many times I find in my life that the battle is there and that I need rest. I need rest. And I search for it from so many different places. And Jesus reminds me that not only is where he 